Welcome to the Bethel Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Chris Valentin. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit iBethel.org. I want to talk to you today about steps to successful living in the kingdom. I actually have a title, which really makes the media people happy. They used to chase me around on Monday. What's your title? I don't know, whatever, just figure one out. But um, I, I, uh, I have actually four things that I want to talk to you about that will help to, I think, really create a successful life living in the kingdom. And um, a couple of them come from encounters. Now, I have had a couple of encounters in the last two or three months. And, um, you know, I, I'm, I have dreams every night. I have a nightlife. Anyone else have a nightlife? I have a total nightlife. I dream almost every night. Uh, typically, I, I remember parts of my dream. Um, but also, I have this other kind of, the other part of my nightlife. I get up every morning at 3 o'clock. It's not supernatural. It's just natural. And I try to keep the lights off. How many of you have a life like that? You try to keep the lights off. And I know how to get to my bathroom unless we're in a hotel room. It's really bad when you switch hotel rooms. Like if you're going from place to place, you're like, yeah, and then you're like, you're like, all right. <laughs> oh yeah, switch to hotel rooms. And um, so I got up in the middle of the night to, to um, just uh, go get close to the throne. <laughs> and when I, when I woke up in the middle of the night, I heard um, not an audible voice or anything like that, but um, you know, one of the ways you know that it's God is when you're so groggy, your mind isn't working and you're having clear thoughts. How many of you know this? I don't know how you put that in a manual, but I think that's the Lord. And so I woke up and I immediately heard these words, you're not present. You're not present. Am I all right? I'm not present. <laughs> I really am not present right now. So I made my way to the restroom and this, this voice in my mind was going over and over, kept repeating itself, you're not present. You're not present. I'm like, well, I don't actually want to be present right now. And so I, I got back in bed and I pulled the covers over my head. And I think the Lord, he got underneath there and cuddled with me. He's like, you're not <laughs> present. I asked the Lord one time, why well, he speaks to me so much at night. He says, because you don't make room for me during the day. So... <laughs> That wasn't good either, but that wasn't recently. So, <laughs> so, so I'm, I'm like, I'm figuring out that I'm not going to actually sleep right now. So I get up and kind of, I don't get up, I just get out of the covers and I put my, lean up against the headboard and I say, Lord, wh what are you telling me? He said, you're not present. And I said, all right, wh what do you mean I'm not present? And he said this, you're either thinking about yesterday or tomorrow. And when you're with someone, you always want to be with somebody else. And when you're with the other person you wanted to be with, you're thinking about someone else and you're never present. You're never in the moment. And, you know, I've had the Lord talk to me pretty, um, I don't want to say harshly. He's disciplined me many times. I, 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 whatever, I don't make excuses for why my life is like that. But I've had the Lord talk to me pretty strongly over the years. And I usually don't get, I don't, I don't think I've ever had a year where the Lord hasn't corrected me pretty, hasn't spanked me so I don't usually talk about him for I'm always in enough trouble without you knowing about it or my wife but I didn't feel like the Lord was disciplining me I felt like he was grieving over me 
And he said to me, I have your day planned. Every day I have planned for you to have several encounters, but you don't have them because you're not present. You're not in the moment. You're always somewhere else, and you're always wishing you were with someone else. I'm not talking about in my marriage or anything weird. I'm just talking about with people. You're not present. And I laid there, honestly grieving, and I was thinking, I don't know that this part was the Lord, but I was thinking about how long has that been? Like, has this been a couple of months? I'm not present. And I started thinking, and I felt like not so much the Lord told me, but he anointed my mind to look into my life. And I could see that from the time my children were little, I was always at home. I didn't travel, but I wasn't very often present. And, um, and I, I felt the Lord just say, you're missing out on so much of life because you're really not there. You're not home. And I had this experience a few months before um, during graduation, school ministry graduation, and, and um, we, we commissioned students with swords. And by that, in case you haven't been to a commissioning or you're not a student, we simply just have them kneel in a long line and we just go down and we put our sword, Bill, one on right shoulder, one on the left, Bill and I, and we just say, in Jesus' name, we commission you. It's pretty simple, really. It was my idea. When, when there was 36 students, it seemed like a really good idea. <laughs> all, all of my, all of everyone whose team um, I'm on all know me pretty well. So, you know, la- so this last year, you know, we commissioned, I don't know, about 1,900 students. This year, we're going to commission 2,000 students, and we're in the meeting planning the, the um, graduation and the commissioning. The commissioning happens for the graduation. And I was thinking, man, I cannot do this again. I cannot commission 2,000 students. So I had this whole plan that we would commission just first-year students. And I went and talked to Bill. And I said, I think we should just you know, commission the first-year students because blah, 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 blah. And I was in, standing in his doorway, and he's like, no. <laughs> the students who did extra years should get even more. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. So I left his office, and he said, well, as I left, he said, hey, if you can think of something better, that's great, but not less. I'm like, okay, well, whatever. <laughs> Go ahead and pull the leader card on me. Go ahead. So I, I left his office, and I'm like, oh, man. So, so a week later or so, we're, in the, we're commissioning him, and we commissioned, it takes, literally, it takes us two days. So we had commissioned, I don't know where, somewhere around, the, like, it had been a day and a half, and, you know, it's like students kneel, and we go, you know, I commission you in Jesus' name. I commission, can you imagine doing this? I commission you in Jesus' name. I commission you in Jesus' name. Then they all get up, and then we walk to the end, and we start over, and we do that for 2,026 students. Wow. Lord Jesus, give me... <laughs> so we're like on number 1,400, right? Second day, I am bored out of my mind. So we're walking back, and Bill's next to me, and I'm kind of dragging my sword like Lucy, you know, (laughs) trying to make a point to my leader. And he leans over so no one can hear him, and he leans over and he whispers in my ear. He says, while we're walking, 
when you put the sword on the student's shoulder, do you feel the pleasure of the Lord? <laughs> do you feel the pleasure of the Lord? Now, now folks, I, I'm not dumb. I know the right answer. And I'm thinking Ananias and Sapphira and all that. You know, and he's looking in my eyes. And I said, no. And he goes, you know, sir, I mean, serious as a heart attack. He looks at me and he said, if you will just take a moment, when you put the sword on your shoulder, you will feel the pleasure of the Lord come up the sword to your heart. I said, all right. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, we got 600 to go, so we, you know. So we're commissioning more of them, you know, and I'm like doing my best. And when we, you know, we're almost done. There's like 50 left. And he said, did you feel the pleasure of the Lord? I'm like, oh, Lord, Jesus, I failed twice. <laughs> I said, no. He said, well, you just keep trying. You will. Oh, all right. And I thought, you know what? The difference between him and me? I'm just going through a ritual to make people feel good. He's present. Like, I'm not even present. I'm seriously in the house, but I'm not home. And then, you know, I remembered that night. Now I'm back in the bedroom, and I, and I you know, that, having that encounter. And I remember I, I had um, dinner years ago with Jack Hayford. Jack Hayford's like one of my very favorite heroes. Uh, you know, one of the leaders in the Jesus movement, fantastic mind, and we got the tape of the month. You guys remember the tape of the month? You get a cassette, and I couldn't wait to get mine every week and in the, every month and put it in the cassette player, and I'd play it over and over, and, and uh, Eric had him come, and um, it was at the family uh, conference. And so I asked Bill, I said, you know, could I, is it possible that I could get a few minutes with Jack? And I don't remember if Eric or, or Bill arranged it, but and Jack said, yeah, I'd love to meet with him. So I had had dinner with Jack, some 25 years ago, you know, it was really not true though, because it was 30 of us. And I was only there because Bill said, you know, invited Kathy and I to come. And then when we got to the table, Bill said, don't talk. <laughs> Which was the very wise, very wise counsel. And I got in the room with Jack Hayford in, in, Bill, in Bill's office that day, uh, a couple years ago. And, um, and I had 30 minutes with him. And when I sat down, he was like, he said, oh, Chris, his opening statements. So, I'm so glad to be with you. I read a couple of your books. Like, oh. <laughs> I had all these questions I was going to ask. I'm like, <laughs> I couldn't even think after that. I couldn't think of what I was going to say. Oh, you read my books. I'm thinking, oh, you know, if the Hebrew or Greek is messed up, you know, I'll fix it. I'll fix it. If the English is messed up, I'll fix that too. And he just, um, you know, we were just had this conversation. And, and here's the deal I left with. It was great. It was wonderful. It was half an hour in between services. But I remember peop many people telling me, when, when you're with Jack Hayford, it feels like you're the only person in the room. And I remember walking out of that room that day, a couple years ago, thinking, 
First of all, he made me feel like I was the most important person in the room. And secondly, it felt like he wasn't doing anything else but me. He was just doing me. And he acted like he actually enjoyed it. And I was thinking about all the times that I'm with somebody and I'm not even listening. I have disciplined my face to learn how to act like I care when I'm actually not even there. And I don't mean I don't care. I mean, I know how to look so you don't know that I am not there. And the Lord said to me, not you bad person, you careless, heartless, loveless soul. You know, no, he just said, I have planned for you to have encounters throughout the day and you're missing most of them because you're not even there. And I was thinking about this morning, last night when I was putting this together in Acts 1, 14. This is repeated several times, but two of them I'm going to read. And all of these with one mind were continually devoting themselves to prayer. Just the one part I want to pick up. And all of these with one mind were continually, continually devoting themselves to prayer. Acts 2.46, and day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple, they were breaking bread from house to house. They were taking meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. The word one mind comes from two words. It means together with passion. Together with passion. They were present with passion. How many understand when you're passionate about something and you're together, you're, you're getting everything out of that moment that God has planned for you. You're with one mind. You have nothing else going on. You're not thinking about, you know, you're not texting. Have you ever had an important conversation, at least it's important to you, and, and the, a person while you're talking to them is texting? Yeah, I'm so sorry I did that to you. <laughs> anyway, I've done it before, I'm sure. This number two, the second thing, successful keys to life. And I could spend a lot more time on that first one. Is I, I, Again, I had another encounter, and this was more recently, like about 30 days ago. And I woke up in the middle of the night again, 3 o'clock in the morning, you know, my normal time for prayer. And I immediately had this vision, and it was in my mind. It wasn't an open vision. I had this picture, and I was getting a shot in my arm. I mean, just as I woke up, it was very clear. I would say it was an open vision, but it was, was, I didn't see it with my eyes. It was very clear I was getting a shot in my arm. And I woke up, it startled me. I said, what's happening to me? And the Lord said, I'm giving you an inoculation. And it's going to be for several diseases that you have. I'll say, what is it? He said, thanksgiving, thankfulness. I'm giving you a shot of gratitude. And it's going to inoculate you from several diseases that you're picking up. I'll say, all right. You know, I don't like shots at all. And I laid there, and the Lord said to me, this shot of thankfulness will inoculate you from entitlement, from bitterness, resentment, apathy, anger, unforgiveness, jealousy, competition, pride, arrogance, conceit, and suspicion. I'm not sure I had all of those. I was hoping I didn't. 
I was just choosing a couple on there. But how many of you know it's, it's impossible to feel entitled and simultaneously be thankful? And I had recently, in the last actually a couple of years, I have had this growing sense that I deserve something. I, I get on a plane to go someplace, and if I don't get the seat that I want, I'm like, do they know who I am? They know how many miles I have? Look at all the miles I have. I fly with you everywhere. You put me in this seat. What is this? What is this stuff you give me for food? I deserve better. I should be up there with someone I know. I get to the conference, you know, it, they, they, get a, you know uh, they get us a room. I'm like, wow, why did they put us up here? There's a better place over there. Then why did they put us up in that hotel over there? And they have a better place. And, and you know, I was thinking, you know what? Ten years ago, I, I'd be thankful to be on a plane. I'd be thankful. I couldn't even believe when people started inviting me to come and they wanted to actually pay me to talk. Now I'm like concerned what seat I'm in. It's, it's, hard to, it's hard to be in competition with someone you're thankful for. It's hard, to be in, it's hard to be bitter with someone you're thankful for. It's hard to be conceited or arrogant or prideful when you're thankful. You know why? Because thankfulness means that you believe that you got something you didn't deserve. Therefore, you can't be arrogant or prideful and be thankful. The two are incongruent. Because just the very fact that I feel thankful means I don't feel like I deserve this. Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and in everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you. How many know I give thanks in everything, but not for everything? <laughs> anyway, that's just a good one. And Philippians 4, 6, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. I think that you're not anxious when you're thankful. I think it's very difficult to be anxious and thankful. I know some of you aren't getting this because you haven't got the inoculation yet. You know, you, sometimes, listen, I understand, like, like, I'm the guy who wrote, you know, the supernatural ways of royalty. I, I believe you're a royal priesthood, God, your daddy. Oh, I believe that. And I think that sometimes the way I even teach it creates a sense of entitlement in people. Oh, I deserve better. I'm a child of the king. You know what? That's one side of the story. The other side of the story is you actually don't deserve anything. I don't care who you are, what you've done. Actually, you actually don't deserve anything. The truth is, it was by his grace, while we were yet sinners, he chose us. So, so I understand, it's, just, it's, listen, it's, the, it's the same coin, it's just the other side. You actually don't deserve anything. I don't either. Well, I don't know why I should be on this plane. I don't know why you should even be asked to, to speak at a conference. You're a mechanic. You didn't graduate, you barely graduated from high school. Stop it. I don't know why they put me in this hotel room. Yeah, you should be with the transients. You lost your mind when you were 19. Come on, just be happy you have it back. You don't deserve anything, stop. 
Number three, I, I believe that part of the challenge in our lives, why we're not successful is because we have a big no and a little yes. And, and, I, and I believe that one of the biggest challenges in life is people have, don't have a big yes. And I want, I just, this faster to read this. Many people struggle with temptation and sin. They spend a lot of time trying to not do something wrong or battling some bad habit in their life. But most, but the most effective way to deal with destructive behavior or bad thoughts is to have such a strong yes in your heart that you have, that your no's have become powerless. We are not omnipresent, so we cannot be in two places at once. Neither can we neither can we think of two things at the same time. I understand the women can. Therefore, if we submerge ourselves in our calling, then we will have no time to think about what we shouldn't be doing and no energy left to do it anyway. In fact, a strong yes is our best no. Focus is a major key to successful life. Let me think, let me just say this. Like, if I have a passionate love for my wife, which I do, if I am passionate, I'm not, I'm not passive, I have passionate love for my wife. How many understand that I don't have to spend my time thinking, no, I don't, no, that temptation, that woman, no, no, oh, I've got such a struggle with her. You know, listen, if I have a big yes, I don't actually have time for all the no's. And part of the challenge, and I understand, I've been there too, not, not in this area, but I have been there too, where this, all this no stuff's like, oh, I feel so pulled to this and, and, and that, struggling. I'm struggling with this. It's like, you know what? I think it's fine to discipline yourselves. I do think, you know, we have, I have a whole teaching on managing your appetite. But the best way to manage your appetite is to be full of yes. If you're full of yes, you've got no room to eat any no. You know? <laughs> You're gonna, this is going to really come to you when you get the inoculation. <laughs> Second Corinthians, I'm going to read it out of the Message Bible. Second Corinthians 1.20. Whatever God has promised gets stamped with the yes of Jesus. In Him, this is what we preach and pray. The great amen. God's yes. Our yes together. Glorious. Evident. Many people spend their whole lives reacting to what they don't want to be. Or some, or some people following Jesus, for some people following Jesus is a list of things I no longer do. You love Jesus. Yeah, I don't do this. I don't do that. What the heck? Why don't you just pray for God to kill you and go home right now? You just got nothing going. And my question is, what do you do? What do you actually do? In, in Proverbs 29, 18, out of the ESV, what is that, whatever it is, Bible, it's good. It says, where there's no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint, but blessed is he who keeps the law. Where there's no prophetic vision, you know, in uh, New International Version says, where there's no vision, the people cast off restraint. But happy is he who keeps the law. Where there's no vision, people, no, I'm sorry, where there's no prophetic vision, people cast off restraint. But happy is he who keeps the law. I think, you know what, it's really hard to punish people into purity. Okay, you do that, you're going to get AIDS. You're going to go to hell. Well, that's where all my friends are going. 
At least I won't be alone. I mean, it's like, seriously, have you talked to this generation? You cannot punish people in the purity. It's impossible to punish people in the purity. And I think we spend a lot of time trying to punish people in the purity. I, listen, I believe that there are no's. Just don't misunderstand me. I just think that lots of people's Christian life, their whole life is a big no. And I'm like, what do you have a vision for? Because vision is what gives pain a purpose. I've used this example a hundred times at least. You know, if I get up in one day and I hate being fat, and by the way, I don't think you can get in shape by hating being fat. It's very difficult for a negative to create a positive in your life. I think a lot of people are reacting to what they don't want to be. It doesn't, it doesn't keep you going. It'll get you to the gym, but it won't keep you there. And I hate being fat. And you know, you know if, I don't know if you're like this, but I'm an extreme person. And I'm like, I hate being fat. I'm going to go, you know, and I, and I yeah, it kind of goes in waves. I'm an extreme person, and I hate being fat, so I'm going to go to the gym, and this is how my mind works. I'm going to work out for three hours. <laughs> you know what happens the next morning? It takes that long to get out of bed. I'm like... You know, being fat's looking a lot better today, you know? How many are like that? You're just extreme. You know, I don't know how many times I've worked out at the gym. I go to the gym and play basketball, but I've tried the weights several times and just, you know, it's called a diet for a reason. The word dies in there. And I don't know how you get smaller by exercise, you know? So incongruent. I don't think you get skinny by hating being fat. I think you get skinny by having a vision for what you're going to look like when this, when this process is, is ongoing in your life and you create a new culture in your life and you're in good shape. Are you, are you getting... In other words, it, you know, something, what's it say? I'm sorry. Where there's no prophetic vision... Shut up, I know this one by heart, which is this real struggle. Where there's no prophetic vision... The people go unrestrained, but happy is he who keeps the law. You'll notice the word law is not even capitalized. He's not talking about the law of Moses. He's talking about the law of restraint. If I have a vision, then I will restrain my eating options, my what I do options, so that I can actually have what it, what it is I see. Are you following me? But if I don't have a vision, then everything I do, is an, every, every, every obstacle is a problem. Like, oh, no, I have to get up early. <laughs> and the worst is when you don't even hate being fat when your neighbor, when your neighbor or your wife doesn't like it <laughs> anyway that's just another thought <laughs> Paul wrote to Timothy and he said this I command and trust you Timothy that was extra <laughs> this I command and entrust you Timothy would you be quiet I'm going to finish reading the scriptures the public reading of the scriptures. You guys need an inoculation. This I command and trust you, Timothy, my son, in accordance with the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you'd fight the good fight, keep the faith, and have a good conscience, which some have rejected and suffered shipwreck in regard to their faith. Here, Paul says to Timothy, take the prophetic vision that was spoken over you and use it to war. Use it to fight. You having a bad day? What's your yes? 
Oh, oh, that's why you're having a bad day, because you're going to lull. <laughs> Remind yourself of what your yes is. What did God tell you to do? Not to, not to do, well, I can't do this, and I can't do that. Listen, okay, great, don't do that. What did he tell you to do? I don't remember. That's why your life sucks, because you can't remember. <laughs> you need to remember. You need to put the members back together so you can see it. My favorite quote right now, Michelangelo said, I saw the angel in the stone and I carved to set it free. I saw the angel in the stone and I carved to set it free. How many know the guy who's chipping rock and the guy that's setting angels free are both doing the same thing? No, you didn't hear what I said. I mean, chipping rock and carving to set angels free looks the same. Somebody's like, well, you know, when I... When, you know, when I get our job, when I graduate from school, when I get, I understand, you know the problem with most people? They're all waiting for life to start. I remember Kathy and I went together for five years. Five years! Talk about trials! <laughs> oh, what? Young people, we need more young people in here. Went together for five years and I thought, when we get married, life's going to start. And then we got married. Then it's like, when we have babies, life's going to start. And then it's like, when they get out of, when she gets out of a diaper, life's going to start. Then when all four of them get out of diapers, life is going to start. Like, we've spent my whole life waiting for life to start. Listen, life isn't going to start when you get your degree or you make a certain amount of money or you get that special job or to find that special person. Life is now. You're missing it. Be present. Be thankful. And have a vision. Does it feel like you're consumed with chipping stone? Or are you freeing angels? The difference is only what you see in the stone. You know, I, I didn't say this first service, but I've been thinking it for a couple of weeks. You know the good thing about being poor? You always think that if you get rich, your problems will be solved. You know the bad thing about being rich? There's nowhere else to go. And you're still miserable, because you're still waiting for life to start. No, the lie that when I have money, things will be good, propels me, and it kind of keeps me out of depression, because like, well, you know, all I have to do is get money. And then you win the lottery and you're even more miserable. And now, now what you thought was going to solve your problem didn't solve your problem and there's nowhere else to go. It's a good word. Last one. So we have be present, be thankful. Have a big yes. And the last one is persevere. This one's a bummer because we're live streaming and I have a Rocky video that I showed. No, I can't. I can't legally do it. But I'll, I want to read it to you, then I'll do my Rocky imitation. <laughs> Perseverance. Paul, Paul wrote this. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels so that the surpassing greatness of the power would be of God and not of ourselves. For we are afflicted in every way, but we are not crushed. 
We are perplexed, but we are not despairing. We are persecuted, but we are not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed, always caring about the body of the dying Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may be manifest in our body. For we who who live are constantly being delivered over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifest in our mortal bodies. So death works in us, but life in you. There's this great video. You should look it up. Not now, be present. Uh, it's the last Rocky movie that he did, and he's, he's trying to make a comeback. And in the movie, he's like, I don't know, I think he's like 48 or something in the movie, or 50. He's actually like almost 70, I think. And, uh, and so he's making a comeback, and all this, you know, there's all this hoopla around his comeback, and all this stuff's happening. Thank you. <laughs> Got boogers. <laughs> Persevering. And, uh, and he, has a, he has a son, which he's had all through the Rocky movies, every Rocky movie, if you've watched any Rocky movies, he has a son. His son's grown up now. His son's like 23, 24 years old. And, and he goes to the season in the movie, kind of opens with his son, doesn't want to have anything to do with him, when his son finds out that he wants to make this comeback. And so, you know, he's trying to connect his son. His son doesn't want to have anything to do with him. And his son is working in this, like, like this uh, bank or investing company or something, and, you know, he's becoming, you know, he's, he's as a junior kind of consultant, he's becoming kind of successful. So when, when he finds out that his dad is going to try to reemerge and challenge the, the, uh, the champion, he's, uh, he just doesn't want anything to do with his dad. So finally, the, it, the movie goes on and on and on, and, you know, there's other things going on in the movie, and finally he encounters his son, he waits for his son to come out of work. And then he says to his son, hey, you know, you want to go get something to drink? You want to have something to eat? And his son's like, no. He's like, oh, you want to? He's like, no. I don't want to be with you. He's like, well, son, what? You know how Rocky talks. What's wrong with you? Adrian, what's wrong with you? And it's, you know, his son starts to tell him, he starts to yell at him and say to him, do you understand what you're doing? Do you understand that everyone's laughing at you? That you're old, that you're trying to return, and that you're embarrassing me, and you're embarrassing yourself and our family and everybody who's your friend? Do you understand that? Do you care? He's like, oh, I'm not trying to do that to you. He's like, yeah, that's what you're doing to me. And then he starts, do you know that I got a job after he retired now, Rocky retired, I got a job and the only reason I got this job is because of my last name. You know that? You know that? I've spent my life living under your shadow. I spent my whole life living under your shadow. I'm sick of it. And now you're making a comeback and now it's going to be worse and your shadow's getting bigger. And you know, did you, did you guys see the movie? It's a great that portion of the movie, it's a great clip. You can see it on YouTube. And so, you know, Rocky's just looking at him, and he's just, they're standing in the street, and he's just looking at his son. And he says to him, I'd hold you up to say to your mother, he's got his hand up. He said, you used to fit in my hand, and I held you up, and I said to your mother, 
This kid's going to be the best kid in the world. This kid's going to be someone better than anyone I ever knew. And you grew up good and wonderful. And it was, a great, it was great just to watch you. And every day was like a privilege. Didn't the time come for you to be your own man and take on the world? And you did. And somewhere along the line, you changed. You stopped being you. And you let people stick a finger in your face and tell you you're no good. And when some things got hard, you started looking for somebody, something to blame, like a big shadow. Let me tell you something you already know. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are. It will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You, me, or nobody is going to hit as hard as life. But it ain't all about how hard, but it ain't about how hard you're hit. It's about how, how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning's done. Now, if you know what you're worth, then you go out there and get what you're worth. But you're going to be willing, but you got to be willing to take the hits and stop pointing fingers saying you ain't where you should be because of him or her or anybody else. Cowards do that and, you, and that ain't you. You're better than that. I'm always going to love you no matter what. But no, ma no matter what happens, you're my son, you're my blood, you're the best thing that's ever happened in my life. But until you start believing in yourself, you ain't going to have a life. Much more powerful on video. This one line, he yells at him. He said, cowards do that. Blame other people. Cowards do that, and that ain't you. You're better than that. And I just want to finish with this. I don't know what's happened in the last years, and I know old men muse. And I'm finding out from young men that they think I'm old. <laughs> I think I'm outdated. And I understand that. I remember the same feeling. But I will say this. It's my estimation that perseverance has become a Bible. It's, been, it's, gone, it's gone away. Now, I'm not sure that, that I haven't been a part of making it go away. You know, we have this supernatural culture, and I love it, by the way. We have a supernatural school ministry that I got to be a part of starting. It's Bill's vision. I'm thankful to be with Bill. And I, I love God's instant, spontaneously breaking in, doing something magical immediately. And I don't mean magic in some kind of cultic way. I just, I love the instant. But sometimes God takes a long time to act suddenly. And there's something that has been brewing for years, and it's growing, and I am very concerned. Okay, call me an old man. But there's something about perseverance that is being lost in our culture, and it gets taught in all kinds of different ways. And I'm like, if my grandfather were alive, he'd pen you against the wall and tell you himself that you're a liar. Because, listen, you don't get stuff. It is, you know... When Jesus died on the cross, he said, it's finished. He didn't say he was finished, and you definitely aren't finished. 
And so there's this ongoing conversation about Jesus did it all. No, he didn't do it all. He could have, but he didn't. He left a bunch for you to do, and not what I just read, not the Rocky movie, but out of the epistle where Paul talked about being, being knocked down but not crushed, all of that. That's in the New Testament. And sometimes people, you know, something happens in their life, and they're like, they just want it now. They got to have it now. They got to have it today. They got to have it this year. They got to just have it right now. And I'm like, you know what? That's great. But you know, the truth is that life isn't all, it isn't all sunshine and rainbows. It just doesn't work like that. Well, I see Pastor Bill. Yeah, you didn't see Pastor Bill for 17 years in a church of 150 people. No, you didn't see everything. You don't know everything. You don't think you, you don't know what you think you know. And I'm not just talking about Pastor Bill, I'm just talking about successful people. And listen, even in the world, and I understand there's another side of this, there's faith and grace and all this stuff, and I'm preaching one side. But right now, this side needs to be preached. And that is, you want to be successful, then you better work hard, because you were created for good works in Christ Jesus. And Paul said, I strive for the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And the word strive in, he, in the Greek means he worked, he worked hard. He, it was hard work. He struggled. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's something about this generation that wants to instant everything, and I'm not sure that our message hasn't actually played into it, not in a way we wanted it to. Romans says, but if we have hope for what we do not see, with perseverance, we wait eagerly for it. With perseverance, we wait eagerly for it. The kingdom is not in and out burger. When you stand in line, you get in line for 20, you get in line for, for more than five minutes and you're like, I, I thought they called this fast food. <laughs> then you get the burger right the first time, like, my mama, what, you know, it's like, no, your mama would tell you to shut up and sit down and dinner be ready in two hours. I'm hungry, I don't care. And Peter wrote this, seeing that his divine power has been granted to us. I love this. Seeing that his divine power has been granted to us. Can you see that, Paul's I mean, that Peter's concerned about entitlement? Seeing that his divine power has been granted to us and everything pertaining to life and godliness through truth and knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises, so by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped corruption that's in the world by lust. Now, for this very reason, why? Because he's granted us divine power and life and godliness. Because he granted those to us. It all came to me. He granted us to it. He granted these things to us. What? Life, godliness, and divine nature. Are you with me? That's the beginning of, this, of the paragraph. Because of these things, now, for this very reason, also applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence. And in your moral excellence, knowledge. And in your knowledge, self-control. And in your self-control, perseverance. And in your perseverance, godliness. And in your godliness, brotherly love. And in your brotherly love, kindness. If these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me just read this last line. For if these qualities, which ones? Self-control, perseverance, brotherly love, kindness, moral excellence. Are you with me? These are things you add. If these qualities are yours and are increasing, who has control over that? You do. 
If these qualities are yours and increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I just want to finish with some thoughts. People are selling their souls for comfort. And I want to say, temptation is normal in a, in a believer's life. The battle's real, and it's your job to overcome it. I have same-sex temptations. So what? I don't know what to do with it. Do it the same thing that everyone else does with temptation. Fight it off. Get a bigger yes. Stay busy. Take cold showers. <laughs> Just find a way to get through. You get, I've been knocked down. I've been doing this for 10 years. Go through it for 20. Listen, the point is, I'm not, I'm not being, I, listen, this is no different than anyone else goes through. Like you think that it's your, you're the only one. Listen, hello, you're not. But my temptation is greater than your temptation. No, it's not. No, this is all part of it. This is how we prove our character, that we make right choices when there's a war to make the wrong ones. This is what we do. This is who we are. And like Rocky said, you can blame somebody else. You can blame the shadow. But the truth is, until you know who you are, you don't really live. That's the truth. So the last one is perseverance. It's real simple. You get knocked down. Well, what if I get knocked down 10 times? Get up on the 11th. How about 12? Get up on the 13th. Just keep getting up. Don't quit. Well, what if I die? You go to heaven. You go to heaven. You can't lose. You go to heaven. But the idea that I am entitled to something. Kumbaya, Lord. Come by, y'all. Just stop. Please stop. You're killing me. You're killing all the old people. You're killing people who work their butts off so you can be here. Please stop it. You're not entitled to anything. You're lucky to be here. I, I, I'm incredibly thankful to be talking to you, and I'm totally present. Stand up, please. If you went away today feeling condemned, I'm like, well, that would be your issue. Because my goal was to set you up for success. And to say, listen, if you're down, just get up. I'm looking for the magic pill. Great, until you get the magic pill, just keep getting up. Just have a magic life, keep getting up. Until you have your end suddenly, just keep going. Just don't stop. Amen? Okay, I'm going to pray for your inoculation. So Holy Spirit, you just do this, right? Prophetic act. We just, right now, we just release a thankful gratitude inoculation in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Be sure to visit Bethel.tv for other exciting new content from Bethel Church.